Jewish Board Talk with Sharice Zaffert. In an article in Haaretz that appeared earlier this week, Benjamin Pogrant wrote the following. The story of the Balfour Declaration is well known. On the 2nd of November 1917, in the midst of World War I, Britain's Foreign Secretary Lord Balfour signed a letter promising Jews a national home in Palestine. Little known are the intense intrigues of the time with France five months ahead of Britain in issuing a pro-Zionist statement and Britain worried that the enemy, Germany, was going to do the same. Benjamin is a veteran journalist and author. He lives in Jerusalem where he joins me now on the line to tell me a little bit more about the background to the Balfour Declaration. Benjamin, welcome and thank you for joining me. Hello, Therese. Talking to you from a very pleasant, sunny day in Jerusalem. That sounds wonderful. It is. Is there a lot of festivity? You want me to talk a bit more about this? Because, you know, the Balfour Declaration was surrounded by so much intrigue, both before and after. And here in Israel, of course, during the past week, it's been a matter of huge debate and discussion. And um, this week alone, for example, in Jerusalem, There was an Israeli conference about the Balfour Declaration, and there was a Palestinian conference about the Balfour Declaration. And as a friend said to me, the twain will never meet. (laughs) They were totally opposite. And I I intended going to both of them for a short while. Then I looked at the list of speakers, and I looked (laughs) at the list of titles, and I decided not to bother. It was all very predictable. On the Jewish side... Near total enthusiasm for the Balfour Declaration. Not totally. There are left-wing critics. On the Palestinian side, of course, total condemnation. Well, I, I saw um, the, the street artist Bansky held a party kind of to kind of, I, I imagine, mock the British celebration with Theresa May and Netanyahu. Yes, well, that's, you know, that's sort of sideshow stuff. That's theater stuff. But the, uh, the article I read, because there's so much been appearing, but what interested me was some of the, the stuff that went before the Balfour Declaration, which, as I said in the article, isn't all that well known, that, in fact, one of the reasons, and there were a whole complex of reasons why Britain signed the Declaration, was that five months before, uh, France had issued a very similar statement, because, in fact, in it, they said, they gave a letter to the Zionists, and they said that they approved um, that circumstances permitting and the independent of the holy places being safeguarded, it would be a deed of justice and of reparation to assist by the protection of the Allied powers in the renaissance of the Jewish nationality in the land from which the people of Israel were exiled so many years ago. So that was the Balfour Declaration also. And then, of course, Britain, at war with Germany, was very worried that Germany was going to issue such a statement. And the reason for that was they all had an exaggerated idea of the influence and power of Jews <laughs> because Tsarist Russia was tottering. And Britain thought, the Jews in Russia had some influence, and they were worried about the Jews in America, because the Jews in America couldn't really care at that stage who won the First World War. And a lot of them came from Germany, and they were prepared to back Germany. So Britain wanted them out of the way. The French, meanwhile, wanted to penetrate Palestine. 
because the Suez Canal and the oil fields in the east. So you have this whole medley of stuff from the Christianity of Lloyd George, the British leader, and others. All this came together in the Balfour Declaration. Hmm. Benjamin, I think this is probably an appropriate time to take our break. And then after the break, we'll look at some of the other countries that were forged not then, but soon after. Jewish Board Talk with Sharice Zaffert. And I'm talking to Benjamin Pogrand, who is a veteran journalist and author, including on a book on Israel, um, uh, which dispels the Israeli apartheid analogy. Benjamin, we're looking at the Ottoman Empire and how it was carved up, including it being a little place given to Jews. Do you want to talk a little bit about that area and the creation of the states that are there now? Yes, of course. Well, with the Balfour Declaration, and, you know, one of the points I also I think is important to remember, the Balfour Declaration gave heart to the Zionist movement, which Herzl only 20 years before had enunciated the goal of a Jewish state. And here you have in 1917, and the Zionist community was tiny at that stage. If I remember correctly, in America, I think about 1% or something like that of Jews actually belonged to a Zionist organization. But the Belfort Declaration gave them heart. But it, it did not, as the critics claim, it did not establish the state of Israel. That was only done on 30 November 1947 when the United Nations General Assembly voted for partition. And as we know, Jews accepted it unwillingly. We didn't think we had enough land, but we accepted it. Arabs rejected it and went to war. But out of that came the state of Israel. But way back in 1917... The Ottoman Empire, which had existed for centuries, made the mistake of siding with Germany in the war and lost. So it was just falling apart. And the Brits and the French got together and they carved up the Middle East. We'll look after that. We'll take that. France basically got Lebanon. Britain created an entity called Palestine, which didn't exist at that stage. The word was in was in use going back to Roman times, but it wasn't there wasn't such a place. And Britain carved out Palestine from Lower Syria and bits and pieces elsewhere, and it it went all the way to the east. And that was supposed to be the Jewish national home. That was what the Belfort Declaration referred to. But there were other things going on, and Britain had to satisfy the needs of the Arab chefs who were at war with each other in Saudi Arabia, so gave them kingdoms that created Iraq and put in a Saudi prince as a king. He created the state of Transjordan and put a king in there, and it hired Transjordan from Palestine, and that was 75% of the land. So all these were the complications of the time. Um, between 1917 and 1947, what happened? What was the state? Well, basically what happened was, of course, and this is where the criticisms of Belfort come today, because among Israelis today, as I said much earlier, you have this, uh, you have criticisms. And then most people simply say, thank God for Belfort, for Lord Belfort, for the British government. They, they started the process of us getting Israel. But there are others who say 
that Britain let us down badly because, A, it declared the, the Belfer Declaration, but then within the two years, Churchill, Winston Churchill, who was then the colonial secretary, reneged on it, hived off 75% for Transjordan, which is today's um, Kingdom of Jordan. And um, then, of course, Britain started blocking the entry of Jews into Palestine. And during the 30s, as the Nazi menace grew, and as we then know the Holocaust, Britain kept Jews out. And that was because of its oil interests in the East and the pressure from Arabs in this part of the world, who started becoming more and more alive to the fact that Jews were coming in and becoming, uh, becoming worried that they were going to lose the land which they'd been on for years. So, Benjamin, I've been reading a couple of articles about the Balfour Declaration, and as you rightly said at the beginning, Jews celebrated, the Arab world mourned. Um, is the conflict intractable? Because that is how everybody is describing it at the moment. Sorry, Sharice, your line faded there. I'm so sorry. I'm I saying, is the conflict as intractable as everybody is saying now that everybody is reflecting 100 years later since, Balfour De- since the Balfour Declaration? That's a very big question today, where we are today. You know, I'm still one of those who believes in a two-state solution, and so does the United States at this stage, and so does the European Union and the Quartet, and uh, the Palestinian Authority subscribes to it. Bibi Netanyahu subscribes to a two-state solution, but in practice, in fact, he's undermining it every day by allowing the growth of settlements and in all sorts of other ways. We're at a very difficult stage at this point. There's a very right-wing government in Israel, and it's pushing the other way. But in my mind, I see no other answer for both Jews and Arabs than to have a two-state solution. The Balfour Declaration was a fundamental turning point in history. There's no question about it. But the actual creation of the state, as I say, began and was given its legality by the action of the United Nations in proposing partition in November 1947. And you said the mood of the country at the moment is celebratory? Well, basically, people are satisfied. Things are fairly quiet. Um, We have the odd stabbing, which is not very good. Um, The government is pushing away with strange measures to extend... Jerusalem to take in thousands of settlers and debar Palestinians from uh, Jerusalem, the residency and rights. Uh, I don't know how far that'll go. Uh, the Attorney General seems to be worried about it. I doubt the Supreme Court will allow this through. And it's a very dangerous step, in my view, because it's a step towards annexation. And the moment we start annexing any parts of the West Bank or Judea or Samaria, as it's officially known, we're taking a big, big step towards apartheid. Because at this stage, I totally refute the argument that we are anything to do with apartheid. But if we take any of these actions, we'll certainly start being called an apartheid state, and that'll be to our great detriment. Hmm. Benjamin, I always enjoy speaking to you because you're kind of very knowledgeable on what is happening on the ground and where it's at. Um, I'm hoping that things will, in the new year... um, Maybe, I don't know, is there any chance of hope? Is any? Thank you. Benjamin, I was, just before I let you go, Benjamin, 
Benjamin. Yes. Just before I let you go, I want, I, I'm hoping that you're going to give me a little glimmer of light for the new year in terms of Middle East resolution, but is that not going to happen? At the moment, I don't see much hopeful stuff in this country. I think there's a push against democracy, which um, I'm among those who are very, very worried about it. There are attacks on the Supreme Court's integrity. There's an attack to try and diminish its authority. Uh, the culture minister does things which I find very surprising. For example, she criticizes this movie Foxtrot, um, which is the Israel's entry for the Cannes Film Festival, and I saw it the other night. And it's a brilliant movie. I recommend it to anybody. It's a hard movie. It's, it's a story against warfare. And she hasn't even seen it apparently, and she condemned it out of sight as being terrible for Israel. So we have these terrible things. I mean, just yesterday I was reading a report. The mayor, uh, Jerusalem, has, uh, uh, said that, um, and the committees agreed to let Arabs build about 2,000 houses in one of the suburbs mainly populated by Arabs, which is very good because they need housing. And most of the time, Arabs apply to build a house and they get refused, so they build illegally, and then the demolition orders. But there are a couple of thousand houses being promised, and a member of the city council of a right-wing political group, a Jew, objected to this. And he said, you don't let Jews build houses, why are you letting Arabs build houses? Well, most of Jerusalem is Jewish houses. I don't quite know what he was getting at, except it was a very ugly racial statement. Mm. On the other hand, uh, on the good side this week at Bari Lund University, which is uh, started off as a religious organization, but isn't so much so, so um, it was reported that a professor had been very unpleasant to an, uh, a Muslim student who was, had a head covered, and he was severely reprimanded by the university um, for just daring to talk in this offensive way to a Muslim student. So that made me feel better. That, you know, well, some rationality in our society. In that case, I'm going to stop on that positive note. Uh, that was uh, Benjamin. Thank you for showing the complexities and all that goes with and living with the Middle East. And thank you for and also. If I may just round off quickly, I was at the Abdassa and Kerem Hospital yesterday, yesterday morning for a few hours. And again, every time I step in there, I walk out feeling light at the sight of Jews and Arabs, patients, doctors, nurses, working together in close cooperation in this most sensitive of human situations. That is one of the great beauties of Israel, is the level of medical attention for everyone given by everybody. And that, I think, is a beautiful way to end. That's a positive note I was looking for, and I always know I can count on Benjamin Pogren for providing that kind of both complexity but also that little bit of light. Benjamin, thank you so much for joining me and discussing some of the intrigue behind the Declaration. Thank you to you too. Bye-bye.